Somebody lift him up tonight. Hallelujah. Somebody make his praise glorious. Hallelujah. Woo. My, 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 I feel the Holy Ghost in this building tonight. Woo. High five about six people on the way to your seat. Tell him he's high and he lifted up. Come on, tell him. He's high and lifted up. Yes, he is. Woo. Anybody grateful to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday night? What an incredible day we have already been having around here today. God has just shown up and showed out. And uh, we're so grateful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I want to say, you can be seated for just a few moments. I want to say a great big welcome tonight to all of our guests and visitors that are here in the house of the Lord. Would you help me one more time, Rock Church? Come on, let's put our hands together and make some Holy Ghost crazy noise for all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord. We are so delighted to have you here tonight. And uh, we just have one rule that we ask you to observe. And I know it's, it's rude to impose rules on first-time guests. But we've got one rule that we ask you to abide by. We have a rule around here for our first-time guests that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. After that, you're just part of the family. Amen, somebody? So we just want you to be at home, all right? Would you turn to about three or four people sitting around you and just tell them welcome home tonight? Come on, shake somebody's hand. Somebody on your left, on your right, in front and back, under me, over me. <laughs> welcome home. We are so grateful to have you in the house of the Lord with us. Was anybody just blessed by what the Holy Ghost did in this building this morning? Such a powerful move of God, a divine interruption into this house, and I'm thankful for what the Lord did. When it was all said and done, we baptized Desmere in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. She received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And uh, the Lord is doing some incredible and amazing things. And we're just delighted about what he is doing. And uh, I'm excited tonight uh, to bring to this desk a, an awesome young lady. Amen. I, I thank God for a, another generation that is rising up full of God's anointing in their life full of the fire of the Holy Ghost burning on the inside of them. And uh, it is not just great young men and men that God is raising up, but there are some Debras in the kingdom of God. I said there are some Debras in the kingdom of God that the Lord has anointed powerfully and... Uh, I thank God for the testimony 
and the anointing upon Sister Tabitha Holt. Amen. And uh, several days ago, I ran across a picture of the first time I met her when she came to the church. And uh, I remember meeting her as a first time or a new guest in that building. And, and uh, she told me her name was Tabitha. I knew she had to be special with that kind of a name. And, uh, and I have watched as God has simply done amazing things in her life. Amazing things in her life. And I have watched as she has humbled herself under the mighty hand of God. And she has given herself, uh, number one, to her relationship with God. And out of that, God has birthed a powerful anointing and a ministry. And uh, she has prepared herself, given herself to studying the word of the Lord and being everything that God has called her to be. Not only is she our women's life ministry director here at the church, amen. I think we ought to just go ahead and honor her great leadership. But God is also using her in many other powerful ways. And, and uh, I asked her to be prepared tonight. I have felt for a couple of weeks that perhaps there was something uh, that God had deposited uh, on the inside of her spirit to deliver to this house. And I want us to stand all over this building as we uh, are waiting in expectation for what the Holy Ghost wants to speak to us tonight. How many of you came ready to receive the word of the Lord in this place tonight? Would you put your hands together one more time and give God a great praise? as Sister Tabitha Holt comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us in this house tonight. Can we raise it up for the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? Can we honor him with our voices tonight? Can we bless his holy name? Do you love him? Do you worship him? Is he your God? And are you his people? Then let it be known to all the world. We love you, Jesus. You are worthy of all the glory. If you love what you feel in this house, clap your hands. Clap your hands unto the Lord. You hear those chains breaking? You hear those chains breaking? Do you hear those chains breaking? Clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Um, you can go ahead and take your seats for a little bit. I thank God, I give honor to God who is the head of my life and who will always be the head of my life. There would be no other person, no other thing, no other tangible source that would take that place. He's the head of my life. I wouldn't have it any other way. I thank God for my children. They made me a better me and I love them dearly. Preston, I love you, babe. I thank God for the wonderful leadership that he has given me, given us at such a time as this. I'm not from Florida, I'm from California, and I never dreamed in my life that I would be in Florida. Never been here before prior to coming, but I am convinced, in fact, I know that God handpicked me to be in this house under this leadership in this hour, and I don't take that for granted. I give double honor to my leaders, amen. I thank God for the Rock Church, I thank God for every precious soul in this place, I thank God for the ladies, 
Y'all are amazing. Y'all are steadfast. Y'all are unmovable. You, ladies, you're a powerful force. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for the men too, but you know, ladies, we, this is where it's at. <laughs> um, it is such an honor to be trusted for such a great, responsible task. I don't do it for a limelight. Because the Bible said, if that's what you do it for, you have your reward right here. <laughs> I didn't ask for it. But I thank God that he chose me. I really do. And there's no greater life that I would live. And I never want to live beneath my means according to the spiritual walk. Never. Never. I want to be everything that God called me to be. Wherever he calls me to be it. That's what I want to be, amen. So, um, Saturday, <laughs> Saturday, uh, my son had asked me previously this week to take him to go pick up a car, Preston. And I committed to it. It was about two hours away. He's done extensive work on this car. It's taken him like four months to find this car, probably six or eight months, I don't know. And he's like, Mom, I found the one. He went in his own vehicle to check it out. Everything checked out. So he, we had made plans so I could take him to go pick it up. And that's what we did Saturday. And for the longest time, Pastor, there was a scripture and an account in the word of God that's been turning over in the back of him. You ever have those scriptures that you're just like, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. There's more to it. God wants to reveal more than that. And I had the chance to socialize with one of a few of great God's, of God's great people um, during Impact from California. Shout out to the Shoemakes Church. <laughs> Shout out to the Shoemakes Church. They have awesome, awesome women and men of God there. And I got a chance to hear young men talk about the same thing that was turning around in the back of my head. And um, I came across a scripture and it was just like a revelation. It was revelatory. And so my son and I, as we're driving this two-hour drive, I begin to pour it out to him. I'm like, and I read the scripture, and this is what it says, and I've been thinking this, and, and God showed me this, and, and it's too much to exhort. <laughs> it's too much to exhort. I was like, I feel like God wants me to preach it. And I was like, I'm just going to marinate on it. I'm just going to wait on the Lord for it. And 20 minutes later, pastor sends me a text. 20 minutes later. <laughs> Let's stand to our feet. Bless God, he caught me while I was fasting, <laughs> consecrating. It's something about walking in the spirit. The Bible says if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're going to be reading out of Romans chapter 9, verses 17 through 23. Romans chapter 9. Verses 17 to 23. Who loves to read the word of God? <laughs> Thy word have I hid in my, that I may not, whoo, I hate sin. So we're going to read it together, if that's okay with you. Um, Romans chapter 9, verses 17 through 23. If you have it, shout a hearty, amen. And let's begin. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, 
that I might show my power in thee and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will, will he hardeneth. Thou wouldst say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made us? Hath not the potter power over the clay? And of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. And your miracle and your breakthrough is contingent upon your response and your open heart and your willingness to receive what thus saith the Lord. Amen. Let's lift our hands. to remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. God, that we should not waver. God, that we should not hang in the balance in the valley of undecisions, but that we should make our calling and our election sure. In the name of Jesus, speak, Lord. Anoint these lips of clay. Help me to do a good job. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The title of this message is, I've Made a Choice. I've made a choice. We can take a look at the news articles and read in nearly every magazine across this country and be introduced, if not yet known, to a few terms often used. Pandemic, civil unrest, social unrest, economic unrest. Pandemic, we all know as COVID-19. A respiratory syndrome alleged to have been first identified in Wuhan, China, and was declared public health emergency of international concern on January 30th of 2020, and declared a pandemic on March 11th, 2020. As of September 12th, 2020, more than 28.5 million cases have been reported in more than 188 countries and territories. 
resulting in 917,000 deaths. However, more than 19.2 million people have recovered. Economic unrest, COVID-19, has significantly impacted the job market. Research indicates that an estimate 42% of workers left of workers were left unemployed by COVID-19 and will not return to their previous jobs. Studies have found that every for every 10 coronavirus-induced layoff, only three jobs are being created. Elizabeth Pollan, PhD, an associate professor of economics, says that it's not going to be that once businesses reopen, everyone will be able to return to their same job. I think we're looking at a major reconstructuring in the next two years, coinciding with a major reallocation of jobs. Another news article titled, Unprecedented, What's Behind the California, Oregon, and Washington Wildfires? The writer declares the size, speed, and timing of the wildfires, coupled with COVID-19 pandemic, have created a unique disaster. California is experiencing the largest fires right now, and they're declaring that it is the largest blaze in state history and, and statewide. A total of more than three million acres, a, more, a total of more than three million acres have gone up in smoke. In Oregon, more than 40,000 people have been forced to evacuate their homes across the West Coast. 18 people have been killed in recent fires. Oregon's governor, Kate Brown, states during a press conference that this could be the greatest loss of human lives and property due to wildfire in our state's history. Washington Governor Jay Inslee stated in a press conference held on September 9th of this year that this is an, an extraordinary series of events we have suffered. He goes on to say the grass is so dry, the temperatures are so hot, and the winds are so heavy, and these conditions are exasperated by the changing climate. According to a new survey conducted by the Census Bureau, the U.S. Census Bureau, it says one in 10 Americans did not have enough food in the last seven days. The census data also revealed a rising increase in food, a food insufficiency among children. Over the summer, from 16.8% in mid-June to 19.9% by mid-July. Not to negate the horrific atrocities that Pastor had spoken about this morning. I can't help but ask, how do we get here? How do we arrive here as a human race? How do we manage to deplete and destroy every facet of our existence as this world spirals out of control? Men and women declared in Genesis that we were formed, we were fashioned by God himself, made in his image and his likeness. In fact, Genesis 1 says, God said, let there be light, and he called it good. He created vegetation and livestock, and he called all that good. In fact, he said in Genesis 1.31, and God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was all good. What happened? What happened? Although it was all good, it all boils down to a choice. 
that was made. There was a choice made in Eden. In the infancy of their existence, the man Adam and the woman Eve only knew good. And then we're introduced in Genesis 3 that there had events that had taken place with that deceiver, the serpent, and her curiosity, which ultimately paved the way to the atrocities that we currently find our world in today. I'm sorry, it's a sin problem. I said it's a sin problem. It's a sin issue. And the educated will tell you we have to put more money in the ghettos and, and the poverty and, and it's this and it's cause. No, it's a sin issue. It's a condition of the heart. And you can't explain that away with monetary gain or monetary loss. It's a sin issue. It boggles my mind that God knew at the day of creation, humanity will self-destruct. Why did you create me knowing I would fail you? I can see God pondering creation in Genesis as the logos, the thoughts of creating a world and creating a people in his likeness, knowing that we would, with a will, with your free will, with your free choice, knowing, knowing that we would fail, knowing that he would have a plan for the redeeming of our souls. Revelations 13 and 8 says, God, Jesus, he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. First Peter 1 Peter 1.19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of the lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world for us to bring us back into covenant relationship with him. What art man that thou art mindful of him? Why, why, why me, Lord? Why would you go through that for me? Isaiah 53 and 7 says he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. John 2 and 2, he is the propitiation of our sins, not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation, atonement, reparation for wrongdoing, and he was without sin. When God had Lucifer, Satan, kicked out of heaven because of sin, he kicked him down to earth. He did. He kicked him down to earth. And what I love about Genesis, Genesis means the beginning. What I love about the book of Genesis is because right at the outset, it lets me know how powerful God is to take chaos and to bring order and construct it and design it for it to work perfectly, intricately, and perfectly. Theologians may say that the first miracle was turning water into wine, but I beg to differ. The first miracle, God let me know that he could take a sinful nature, a sinful person, a life of sin, and reconstruct it and bring order to chaos and turn it around. He has the power. The wind obeys him. The elements obey him. The devils hear his name and tremble. He has all the power. Why does Satan fall? Satan had a choice. The angels have a choice. Took a third of heaven with him, right? They had a choice. Ezekiel 28, 17. Thy heart, Lucifer, Satan, was lifted up because of thy beauty 
thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the grounds. John 8 tells us he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. He speaketh a lie and he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Lucifer, Satan, created being. Adam, Eve, created beings. They failed God. God knew this would happen and yet he still created with the ability, he created us with our ability to make our own choices. We make choices every day. Simple choices are made every day. Simple decisions. When there's an option presented, that's a choice. That's a choice. A decision to make when there's options presented. Our alarm goes off in the morning. We hit the snooze button. <laughs> Sleep a little longer. <laughs> or decide to get up right away. Women. We decide what we're going to wear, how we're going to fix our hair. And if you're like many of us in here, that's a long decision. We'll put it on and take it off and put it on and take it off. Food. We all decide what we will eat. Breakfast. What am I going to have for lunch? We decide what time we will head to work. Many simple decisions are made throughout the day. We make choices. And it's fair to agree that we more likely make these choices based upon feeling. Would you agree? Maybe not. Then why do we say, I don't feel like eating that? I don't feel like eggs. I'd rather have gruel. <laughs> I changed my mind. I don't feel like wearing that blouse. I want to wear that one. I'm not in the mood for cereal. Give me eggs and bacon. Choices. Feeling. How about this? I don't feel like going to church tonight. The devil's attacking me. I don't feel like praying. I'd just rather get on the phone and call somebody. Why aren't you going to church tonight? I'm not in the mood tonight. My feelings, my emotions, they're, they're all over the place. I don't feel like going there. The feelings and the emotions are dictating the choices. <laughs> the feelings and the emotions and the anger and whatever that all entails are dictating the choices in this world today. We have far rights or lefts and far rights feeling some kind of way about each other and, and, and operating a nation based on those feelings. We have our lives as people of God up and down, up and down, because we feel like we can't make it. If we take a look in Romans, we know the story, 9.17. You know what? Let's go back to the story of Moses and Pharaoh. Pharaoh refused to let God's people go. It was his choice. You can find the account in Exodus 3.10. God declares to Moses, Moses, I have a task for you. Come, therefore, I will send you unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, my children, out of, is my children, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. In chapter 5, we see that Moses is faced with a choice. In, in verse 1, it says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord. God of Israel, let my people go, 
that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is this Lord that I should obey his voice? The Lord, neither will I let Israel go. As a result, Pharaoh increased the burden upon God's people and refused to make the right choice. Pharaoh claimed that he didn't know God. He probably didn't. Who is this God? You want me to let my free labor go? We got a good thing going here. This is all free. And I'm building my kingdom. I'm building my, empow my empire. This is free. You want me to let you go because of your Lord? Who is this Lord? And I could see God sitting back like, okay, you want to know who I am? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you who I am. So then we have a series of plagues that hit Egypt. And all the while, Goshen had God's hand of protection around it. In this world today, I want to let you know that God's people have a hedge of protection around them. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't even matter what you think about it. God is faithful. God is faithful. There's a hedge of protection around the people of God. Suffice to say, he knew he had a choice. God knew Pharaoh's choice. See, God is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the author and the finisher. He is God alone and beside him there's none other. And I'm sorry, that's just who he is. That's just what it is. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. He knows, he knows, he, he is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. There could be many thoughts going around this congregation about me, about you, about anybody, and God knows. He knows, he knows. So he knew, he knew that Pharaoh inevitably would not let the people go. And the scripture tells us that he used Pharaoh to show forth his power. It's so interesting how we come to a place, especially when there's churches on every corner and every denomination and people are all confused and thinking all this stuff and, and they come in here and it's pretty cool because they have an encounter with God and God's like, Psh, this is me, this is who I am. But we have so much other, so much other doctrines and so many other false teachings, and, and it's, a, it's a trick of the enemy. It's the enemy. He doesn't want you to know about the one God. He doesn't want you to know about the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that when God rose up from the dead, he had all power, all power. He rose up with all power. And then when you get the Holy Ghost and you're baptized in Jesus' name, you shall receive the power. You shall receive that power. The enemy does not want you to praise and know that because he knows that the power that you have is you have the ability to cast him out. You have the ability to put him in his place. You have power over the enemy. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I think that's why. I believe that's why the serpent was there. He had to find a way. Because God talks about sin entering into the world by one man. Not by Satan. Satan was already cast out. He was here. And he is sin. He's a lie. He's everything, everything negative, everything bad that you can think of. But God, he, the sin didn't enter into the world until Adam and Eve sinned. By one man, sin entered into, that, into, into the world. Amen? 
So he doesn't want you to understand. And I do believe that Satan saw. I mean, come on, let's think about this. He was in heavenly places. He was an anointed, anointed cherubim. He was allowed to be in the holies of holies with God. He knew everything about God. We haven't seen him, but he has. We haven't felt the pure, un, the, the pure concentrated power of God. Moses wanted to see him, and he couldn't. He's like, Moses, you can't even stand in my presence and, 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 and be in one piece, because that's how his power is. But Satan knows. Satan has been in heavenly places. He has been with archangels. He has been in the spirit realm. He knows a lot that we don't even know. And he saw the potential when God made man. So I can see him thinking like, how can I get a hold of this power, Brother John? <laughs> because in Genesis 1, we know that God gave dominion to that man, Adam, to subdue. <laughs> To reign on earth. And we're talking about in a pure state. We're talking about in the most purest state ever. Dominion over everything. Over everything. Over everything. God's likeness. Dominion. And I can see the enemy like, yeah, I need that dominion in my life. <laughs> I need that. How can I get that? How can I get that? But you know what? In that garden, God placed a choice. He placed a choice. Does anybody know what that choice was? Food. <laughs> Food. <laughs> he gave them a choice to ingest of knowledge of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and and I think about this, I'm like, they already knew what good was. God made light, it was good. Divided the night and the day, it was good. Vegetation, it was good. And the enemy comes in and he cunningly, subtly tries to tell her that she needs to know good and evil. And I could see myself like, hey, bro, I know good. You want me to know evil? So I know what you're about, <laughs> right? But he told her, you shall be like the gods. Didn't you want to be like the gods? How did that go for you? You got kicked out, unsuccessful. <laughs> and so he doesn't make them do anything. He doesn't make them do anything. We have to lose this concept of the devil made me do it. He doesn't make them do anything. He talks her into it, coupled with her own curiosity. And they partake of the fruit that they were forbidden to. And that began the landslide of what we find ourselves in today. They had a choice. They had a choice. God is sovereign. He's all-knowing. God knows our end from our beginning. He knows the thoughts and the plans that he has for us. Thoughts, good thoughts, good thoughts to prosper you, to bless you, and to bring you to an expected end. But it's your choice. It's your choice. The scripture tells us to lean not to our own understanding. Because there's a way that seemeth right to us. It seems right to us. There are choices that we make that seem right to us. And they could be great choices. But there could be some choices that appear to be great. Because the enemy's cunning. And he, will, he presents himself as light. 
You know, it boggles my mind when people are having like near-death experiences or they're about to die and they're saying, I seen a great light. Oh, I'm sure you did. <laughs> sure you may have. But he comes and he disguises himself as a perfect opportunity. And it, the opportunity seems right. He told her, you will be like the gods. Oh, yeah. I want to be like the gods. Let's do it. It seemed right. But the end thereof was death. Perpetual death. Residual death. Spiritual death. There's a way that seems right. But therein thereof is death. Our world has not progressed to this horrific global conditions and atrocities that we see today and know today because of God. It's not his fault. We have arrived here because of the choices that seem right but are death. That's how we got here. Judges 7 and 6 says, she talks about a people who did that which was right in their own eyes. These are people that were without a government. And more importantly, these were people without a God. And they were God's people. They were transgressors of the law. And they believed that their actions were acceptable. And these actions that were acceptable in that book of Judges thousands of years ago was cursing, stealing, raping, sexual assault, murder, kidnapping, and idolatry. Does that sound familiar to you today? Time out for saying, oh, the world, I don't know, how, I, it's, it's, I've never seen this in my life. Oh, yeah? Well, this has been going on. This has been going on for a very, 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 very long time. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the church to wake up. We can't be so preoccupied with our own little bubble and our own little lives and our own little jobs and our own little self-glorification, seeking this and that and this and that. It's time to wake up because the enemy is out there and he's deceiving a world. And we're sleeping. We're sleeping. And be honest with yourself. Are you asleep? Are you woke? Stay, stay woke, right? <laughs> no one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me, Preston, Jacqueline, Jada, Cedric and Rome, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. I don't pull any punches about that. I don't pull any punches about that because I know the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Romans 9.17, it hit me so hard. It hit me so hard. It hit me so hard in these last days. And God warns us in his word what's to come. He gives us warning. The word of God is, is quick and it's powerful and it is, it's like an insight to where God is and what he's doing. And you can find the mind of God in his word. You know what? If you get that word deep in your heart, he'll begin to talk to you in his word. You don't have to think it's the devil or my own conscience because nobody, nobody can replicate this word. If it's his word, it's from God because God is a man of his word. 
Luke 21 tells us, don't be deceived. Many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ. You will hear of wars, rumors of wars, nations against nations, kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences and fearful signs and great signs shall come from heaven. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, in the last days perilous times shall come. For men will be lovers of their own self. More than lovers of God. Self covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Then he says with a warning, from such turn away. How do we get here? How do we get here? Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore, as, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men that all have sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I told my son, we have a choice to make. God is going to use that choice to carry out his plan. In these last days, prophecy will be fulfilled. You don't have to agree with what's preached across the pulpit. You don't have to agree with it because you have feel some type of way about the speaker, about the pastor. You don't have to agree with what is being across, said across the pulpit because you're biased. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what you believe or what you don't believe. The word of God is sure. Prophecy will be fulfilled. Prophecy will be fulfilled. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. It's eternal. It's eternal. Romans 9.22, what if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. Believe it or not, God gave Pharaoh multiple, multiple, multiple times to make it right. That's long suffering. That's long suffering. There were children who died because of it. Long suffering. He gave him a chance because he said, I came to save the world. That the world would be saved through him. You know, this, there's this Calvinistic concept or what do you call that? Yeah, Calvinists, right? They believe that, you know, since God knows everything, then he chooses and picks who's going. So you're probably not going, so don't waste your time. The devil is a lie. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the world that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Everlasting life. It's these false doctrines and teachings, they just, ugh, they just rub me the wrong way. Because they're robbing people of knowing what it is to be true and to worship God in spirit and in truth and have the true Holy Ghost and have the spirit of God living down on the inside of you. That's a choice that everybody in the world ought to make. Pharaoh rebelled against God. Willingly, it was his choice. 
Pharaoh's going to spend eternity in hell. He's going to spend an eternity in hell. Hell wasn't made for us, but it enlarges itself. It is waiting in expectation of who is coming. It's enlarging itself. What I love about the last two verses, verses 22, and I told Preston, I said, you know what? God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long-suffering vessels, vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. What's to, what's to happen in the last days? People will walk away from the church, walk away from God. This is the body of Christ. This is his church. You walk, if you walk away, you're walking away from him. Because this is the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. People are going to die. People are going to fulfill those prophecies. Not good prophecies. <laughs> Truth breakers, murderers, kidnappers, heady, high-minded, thinking I'm above. That's, that's the enemies. He thinks like that. Come on. He thinks like that. That pro the prophecy is going to be filled, fulfilled. But it doesn't have to be you who fulfills that prophecy. It doesn't have to be you. God has given you a choice. And I can see the enemy working overtime, as he does. And I don't give any credit to him. I got the power of the Holy Ghost. He ain't no match for me. Is he a match for you? I've been tried by him over and over and over, and guess what? I'm over it. <laughs> I'm over it. So as prophecy fulfills and atrocities continue to happen and nothing ever gets better, at the same time, we're sitting here physically. Can I have a chair? May I have a chair? Sitting here. In the house of God. The one who made heaven and earth. And we have to refresh our knowledge of him daily. Because you can look around at what's going on in your world and the atrocities go here. And God goes here. And I could feel like there's no answer. I could feel like... All the praying that I'm doing, and the fasting that I'm doing, and the consecration that I'm doing, and the attack after the attack, I can feel like I'm losing the feelings. But when we understand the power of God and who we are as the sons of God, we understand that we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. For faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen, not seen. What is seen? Everything horrible. Everything pastor was talking about this morning. That's what is seen. But what is not seen? There's a war going on in the spirit. And the, and, and, and the Bible talks about the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit lusting. There's a, there's a spiritual 
warfare that we are engaged in. And guess what? You may not be able to see it. But if you walk in the spirit, you can feel it. And it will draw you to closer consecration, no matter how you feel. It will draw you to fast, no matter how you feel. But how do we walk in the spirit? How do we walk in the spirit? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> How do we walk in the spirit? The preach word of God is coming across and is stepping all on your toes. And you grab a baby. <laughs> or you hit the back door. And you think you're slipping out. Or falling. <laughs> but this church is too big for not one person to see you. And if you're walking in the spirit, you're like, okay, in the name of Jesus. Okay, in the name of Jesus. Okay. And all the while, hell is enlarging itself. And it's counting on you. It's counting on you. It's, I'm making room. I'm making room for her. Because she's dead. She's dead. I'm making room for him because he's dead. The Bible says the dead praise not the Lord. And we're not a church that says, hey, lift your hands. Hey, jump up for joy. For nothing. Do you want God to respond to your situation? Then respond to him. Do you want God to bring you up out of the miry clay? Then respond to him. Respond. You have a choice. My God, help me today, Lord. My God, help me today. <laughs> we had impact. Ooh. Tons of people were here. Tons. And before that, there was praying, consecrating, preparing, all of that. And I could see the enemy like, yeah, okay, you want to be world changers? Okay. You want to think that you're going to affect change? I don't know about you, but I, got, I started immediately getting attacked almost every area. One thing after another, after another. Uh, is that just me? People walked away changed. People whose souls were hanging in the balance, they left here. And you know what they didn't have? They didn't have hell in their heart and heaven in their hand. There was a shift. Heaven's in my hand and I got hot in my heart and I'm going after hell with everything I got. They had a Caleb spirit. They emptied out their cup so that God can fill them. And you know what some of us are doing? Yeah, we had a good impact, y'all. We impacted the nations. Hallelujah. And they go out and affect change, and we don't feel like getting up out of our seat. And we don't feel like responding to God. We don't feel like it. I'm never going to sit back on yesterday's victories. Mm -mm. <laughs> I'm never going to sit back on yesterday's victories. 
because I want everybody in the world to make it to heaven. And I know that God knows who will and who won't, but guess what? I don't know, so I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you and let you know that you have a choice. You know how you can tell when the fire burns out? <laughs> it gets dark. <laughs> it gets dark. It gets dark. And maybe this is because I'm dark on the inside. You know when the fire burns out, you can't see? So my perspective is that I'm okay because I'm here and I'm okay and God loves me and there's no consequence to my choice. You know when the fire's burned out, and I've been here before as a backslider, there's no spirit, I can't. As much as I try to pray and try to find the spirit of God, he's not there, he's not there, he's not there. My fire has gone out. God's not gonna make you worship him. He's not going to make you submit yourself to him. He's not going to usurp your authority. He's a gentleman. Why? 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 He's not, he, not going to force you to obey the word. The Bible says don't just be hearers, be doers. But he's not going to force you to do. God will lead you. But he won't force you. And I'm tired. I'm tired. I told the devil I'm tired of you. Been tired of you a long time ago. I'm tired of the deceiver who goes around the church cherry picking. Seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. Kills your joy. Kills your light. Steals anything that God has given you. Ultimately to destroy you. And he's not just destroying you, he's destroying your future. And anybody that could potentially be in your path, any child that you could potentially reach, he's destroying the lineage. Upon this rock will I build my church. Jesus said, upon this rock he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not, shall not prevail. But somebody's going to fulfill the prophecy. <laughs> somebody's going to fulfill the prophecy. Somebody's going to walk away. Somebody's going to die. A light is going to go out. God's going to give the choice. The word of God is a choice. The preach word of God is a choice. And when the preach word of God comes across the pulpit, it reads your mail. Nobody knows. Nobody told anybody. <laughs> God, God presents the choice, and we sit down on the choice. We sit down on the choice. And you know what's crazy? We worry about what others are saying or thinking. God, I want to lift my hands because I know that I walked away from you, and I just want to get back to that place with you. But if I lift my hands, then they're going to think that they were right, and I was wrong. 
I want to run around this church right now and I want to lift my hands and I want to be redeemed and I want to be refilled and I want to be reignited and I want to change the world because I love you and I trust you and I want to commune with you one more time and I want to do this love affair with you day after day after day, but I can't because Brother Sloss is going to say he was right. And all the while, hell is enlarging itself. And eternity, 100 years, if we're able to spend on this life, is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. Let's stand. You got a choice to make. There's a comparing and a contrasting in those last two verses. One talks about a vessel used for destruction. <laughs> and the other talks about a vessel of mercy used to fulfill God's plan. Let me read it. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared unto glory. He says, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. But it's a choice. God help me. It's a choice. It's a choice. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose. Choose. Condemnation comes. You know what condem condemnation comes to do? Comes to help you make your choice. So you can fulfill the other prophecy. Comes to help you make that choice. But I'm going to tell you right now, as I look amongst this congregation, and people are already coming to the altar, and I see the hungry hearts and the hungry souls. You're standing here breathing because you have another chance to make that choice. You do. You do. You do. You do. You have a chance. And, 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 and <laughs> we're adults here. God knows those secret places of truth. And although I can smile and appear to be okay, God knows those secret places. When I commune with him on my bed and I say, God, take me back to the place where I once found you. And I let the bad choice take me further from you. Commune with me again. Reignite the passion that was once inside of me because I can't lie. I can't even lie. I might be happy, but that's just an appearance. Because of a choice that I made. Nobody can make the choice for you. Somebody can advise you to make the choice, but it's you that carries it out, and nobody can carry it out for you. It is your choice. I made a choice. Lift your hands, please.
I made a choice. My choice is leaning towards eternity and the blessings and the mercies and the fulfillment that only God can give me. Nothing else can fulfill me like he can. I've made that choice. I made a choice. I made a choice. I made a choice. If you're honest with yourself right now, you won't blame anything that's going on in your life on anybody else. You would say, honestly, God, I made that choice. I made that choice. You know, there's consequences to choices, whether good or bad. It's still a choice. The waters are being stirred at this altar right now. And God is reaching. He really is. He's reaching. And he's, he's, he's really reaching. He's reaching. And th this may be the last time you get to make the choice. This may be the last time you get to make the right choice. And when we see him again, Pastor Hammond, when we see him again, and we stand alone with him, and he finds out what we did with what he's given us and determines where we will spend eternity. Those other voices in my head that influence the choice won't be there. They won't be there. It's just going to be me and him. And he's going to look at me with those loving eyes. He is. He, he doesn't have horns and a tail and a pitchfork. He's a loving God. He is love. He is love. Perpetually, he's love. He will never change. He's love. And he's going to look at me with those loving eyes and he's going to say, you made the choice. You know I'm a gentleman. You know I couldn't make the choice for you. If, I, if you can make his choice for him, I couldn't make the choice for you. I'm sorry, baby, you made the choice depart from me. Depart from me. And hell's like, I, I had this spot waiting for you. <laughs> I had this spot enlarged for you. Thank you. Thank you for, for fulfilling the other prophecy. Thank you for making the choice. With our hands lifted, with our hearts crying out to the Lord, I've got a choice. I've got a choice. I've got a choice. Come on, voices lifted across this house. Come on, the Holy Ghost is talking to us right now. Come on, there should be some conversations taking place with your Creator right now, tonight. Come on, you know what God has been dealing with you about all through this service. You know the things God has been talking to you about all during this word tonight. Come on, begin to lift your voice and talk to him right now. Come on, he's beckoning you tonight. He's calling you tonight. He's reaching for you tonight. He's speaking to you tonight. Oh, come on, that's it.